Welcome to the Ask Zach Show. I'm your host, Zach Childs. I've spent the last 30 years working in the music industry here in Nashville, Tennessee, during which I've done everything from touring with major artists like Brad Paisley and Carrie Underwood to playing the nastiest dive bars or even the occasional wedding. This show is all about barreling down the rabbit hole on all things guitar and the music we love. We will cover the legendary players, gear insights, and even some interviews along the way. I hope you enjoy. To support the show, follow the links in the description to find out about my Patreon page. Or go to my store at AskZach.com to pick up a coffee mug or t-shirt. Now, let's dive in. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to another Ask Zach. Today, we're going to have fun comparing a 1957 Telecaster to a 1967 Telecaster. I'm going to go through all the changes that Fender did in that ensuing decade, though some are subtle, some are not. And then at the end, I'm going to, uh, or toward the end, I'm going to show uh, how they sound which they're uh, actually more similar than you'd think, tone-wise. And then I'll do a little lesson at the end showing, uh, you know, just to uh, you know, kind of take apart some of the licks that I played in the, in the demo part. So, all right. So uh, let's, let's hop to it. So let's, well, I guess we ought to start at the tippity-top, at the headstock. So, of course, you know, looking at them, it's pretty obvious that, you know, the logos are different. And of course, when Fender, you know, was bought by CBS in 19, in January of 1965, they immediately started, uh, you know, making uh, changes as far as branding was concerned. And one of the things they did a little bit later than 65, actually in, in mid-67, was they brought about this black, what, what's called the black CBS logo. And that was because this logo, or even the logo after that, that was called the Gold Transition logo, it wasn't super visible on television, color or black and white. And so this logo was brought about uh, to get more brand recognition on uh, on television because you know that that had become a thing. You had Ed Sullivan and all these other uh, you know TV shows that had musical performances, and they wanted when when some guy played a Fender. Uh, they wanted people to know it. Though, of course, most guitar players knew even when they saw this that it was a Fender. All right. String trees in basically the same position. This one has a three-string tree on it, but, I mean, that's not original. I have the original string tree. I'm just messing around with this. Uh, yeah. One of the big differences on the headstocks is the thickness. So this 57 has a skinny headstock, and this one has a fat headstock. It's thicker, and that's because in the mid-60s, Fender was having issues with uh, cracking headstocks when installing tuning machines, and so they made them thicker. And so there's guys that are fans of these early CBS guitars with the thick headstocks that still have a nitro finish that think that they're uh, you know, extra special, and uh, I'm not going to disagree. 
Uh, let's look at the uh, tuning machines. So these are Clusens, and uh, they're great. And these are F-tuners, which are not as great. And so evidently Fender was having issues with getting enough Cluson machine heads in the mid-60s, and they just decided we're going to make our own. So they started making these F-tuners, which are kind of loose copies of the Cluson machine head. And of course it has a different mounting, uh, you know, it mounts, you know, has the diagonal uh, mounting screws instead of just right in the middle like this. And of course they branded it with the backwards F because that was part of the thing when CBS took over was branding. So uh, these machine heads are not quite as good as the Clusons, but if you, uh, if you will do grease them and put white lithium grease in there, uh, they'll, they'll do pretty well. Um, a lot of people will try to replace these and uh, there's no replacement for these except for another set of original because Fender changed to another supplier for these, Schaller, in the mid 70s. And they are, you can't, uh, they don't work together. You can't put a Schaller set on like this, this guitar. So if anything happens to one of these tuning machines, you got to go find another vintage one made before 1976. All right. Of course, both of these are maple necks, but this you have a one-piece neck on the 57 and with the skunk stripe on the back because that's how they put the truss rod in. This has a maple cap neck because by mid-59 they had switched to rosewood fretboards on all their guitars and they had changed their tooling. So when people started requesting maple necks, they weren't, pardon me, they weren't going to go back to this. They, uh, they made a separate maple fretboard and these are nicknamed maple cap necks because it's two pieces of maple. And uh, these tend to be a little spankier sounding. Uh, a little more, uh, yeah, have kind of an assertiveness to them, a nice twang. Because one thing I forgot to add was on the back of this headstock, I have Reggie Young's uh, autograph. That's the only autograph I've ever gotten. So it was nice to get that when I interviewed him. Yeah, these uh, necks both have a 7.25 radius. Uh, they've both been refretted with the same fret wire. Um, it's slightly bigger than vintage. It's like 9.5 by 47. It's the fret wire that Dano Caster uses, and I liked that. Uh, the necks feel very different. They both have nitro, but it seems to be different formulations. Um, yeah, and you can even see the way they've aged differently, even though both of, both of these necks have been played a lot. So, uh, you know, that's, that's interesting. The shape of these is very different. This has a soft V. This is kind of a, a, a medium C shape. This is 0.83 at the first fret. This is 0.91 at the, uh, at the first fret. Uh, yeah, this, this is a little bit more of a handful, and I, I'll, I do prefer this neck. It just uh, feels a little better in your hand. Uh, another interesting tidbit is the location of the 12th fret markers. They are wider. They're set wider on the 57, and they're set uh, closer together on the 67. Let's see. Going down, of course, uh, got neck plates. So in 57, somebody ordered neck plates, and they came in with a dash at the beginning. And uh, so, yes, yeah, so all the most of the 57 guitars that are out there, the serial number on the neck plate starts with a dash. Other ones did not. 
So that's very indicative of, of 57. Of course, this one has the dash. This, again, CBS branding everything. They put the backwards F on there, and it has a serial number. Both these guitars are made of swamp ash. This is one piece. This is, I don't know, because, you know, I can't see all of the grain, uh, so I can't tell how many pieces. This could be one piece or three or even four pieces. Um, as far as vintage vendors, I think, uh, you know, sometimes they can be up to like six pieces, especially on like a jazz bass or something like that. They can be a lot of different pieces of wood together. This one is six and a half pounds, which is ultra light for a vintage Telecaster because they, they, they kind of in the spread of, you know, a little over six pounds up to maybe eight and a half pounds. Uh, so this one is really on the light side. This one's seven and a half pounds, which is very average. That's, that's a very normal weight for a vintage Telecaster. Uh, yeah, they tend to be in that six and a half to eight pound range. This, uh, you know, this has recessed uh, string ferrules, which I think is really nice. And this one has protruding. So they, uh, they for, for one reason or another, they, uh, they stopped recessing them. I'm not sure if that was a, uh, a cost-cutting uh, you know, decision because it was easier just to uh, drill a simpler hole and jam these things in there. But uh, anyway, and then 67 is the first year for this where they, uh, they changed the, the string ferrules to be protruding instead of recessed. Uh, you can see some of the swamp ash here on the 67. Uh, you can tell it's swamp ash because of the, uh, the big open grain. And, uh, you know, it would look more like cardboard and it'd be really smooth if it were alder. And ash was always, you know, the standard wood for Telecasters, unless it was either a custom color or sunburst. All right, let's go to the, the fronts. So... Here, you know, big change is you have the single ply pit guard with five screws. Here you have a three ply pit guard with eight screws. So they switched to the three ply beginning with the Tele Custom in 59, but the standard Telecaster didn't get it until about 64. And, uh, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's nice. Both, both of them are nice in their, in their own way. Uh, you have a top hat switch on both of them that are nearly identical. Uh, you know, of course, same plate. Um, both have barrel knobs, but the barrel knobs are very different. The knurl is heavier on the 57. And also the transition is uh, is greater between the knurl and then the smooth top. It's very quick on the 67. The bridges are both, of course, the original ashtray type. This is patent pending. You know, that's what it says, you know, imprinted on the bridge. And this has the patent number, which, you know, those started appearing in... 62 or so. Uh, this has the original steel saddles on it that were really close as far as intonation. And so we just did a little bit of bending of the screws to kind of get it in uh, really nicely. This one was, was further off. So I just went ahead and, and I took off the, the threaded saddles that were on it, that came on it. I still have those, of course. And I put on these compensated steel saddles. And I have to say, I greatly... Uh, I prefer steel saddles overall, and I prefer this ashtray type bridge over, you know, heavier bridges, but to each his own. Uh, pickups. So all four of these pickups are Alnico 5 magnets, 
and uh, the the neck pickups are, are quite similar looking in construction. The uh, bridge pickups differ in that um, in that the uh, the sixty seven the uh, magnets are completely you know they're staggered and they're all above the flat work they're all above the bobbin. This fifty seven has what you know we've started to call hybrid stagger. And so that's, of course, it was flat pole, or all the magnets were flush with the top of the, the flat work, you know, in the early 50s. And in the mid-50s, they raised the D and G string um, magnets just slightly above. And that's what this guitar has. While this one, all of the magnets protrude above the uh, flat work. This, on, on the 57, when they were making pickups, they were really just kind of filling the bobbin, and they weren't thinking about how many turns so much. Um, and also, they tend to be a little more scatter-wound. You know, there's a, a, you know, a person with a winding machine, and, uh, and they're holding the wire in their hand, and they're feeding it onto the bobbin. And sometimes they're jumping around, or sometimes they're smoothly going back and forth. So, you know, you can get some interesting wind patterns. While these... By 67, CBS was a lot more uh, specific about how they wanted the pickups wound and how many windings on them. So these tend to be really consistent from guitar to guitar from this era, while these can jump around a bit more. This uh, bridge pickup is 7.2K. This one is 7K. And I'm not sure if this bridge pickup on the 67 has been rewound or not. Because most of these are in the 6.5 to 6.8, and this one's 7. And also it's been wax potted, so there's always been a suspicion. I had uh, Ron Ellis look at it, and he said this could be rewound on this one. Now, this one's definitely rewound because Ron Ellis did it. The bridge pickup was dead, but he carefully uh, took the wire off so he could copy the, uh, the wind pattern. And he had some old wire that he was able to use on it. Yeah. Uh, wiring, uh, you know, both of these have modern wiring, though only this one came with it from the factory. 67 is the first year you got the modern wiring and modern wiring, of course, is where you could head the neck or both or the bridge pickup on the three-way selector switch. Uh, you know, of course there was a short-lived blend control in the early fifties where you could get the, the, uh, the two outside pickups, the, the two pickups on the Telecaster together, but most Telecasters, you know, up till mid-67 had, uh, you know, of course, bridge pickup by itself, neck pickup by itself, and then in the forward position, it was the neck pickup through a horrible, you know, circuit that made it very uh, woofy, dead sounding. Uh, you know, of course, this was, this is an Esquire, but I've added a neck pickup to it, and uh, I had a Ron Ellis tall neck in there, but because I was doing this video, I tracked down a vintage neck pickup. So this is a an original mid-50s neck pickup that I've uh, stuck in here. And of course I have the uh, modern wiring on it so that you can hear, you know, both at the same time. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's these uh, two guitars. They're both really fabulous instruments and, uh, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't still own them if they weren't, uh, weren't great. But uh, you know, lucky to have them, and uh, yeah. So let's uh, let's hear them. So I'm gonna start with the 57. We're just gonna plug in. 
course, I've got my 67, ah, 65 Deluxe Reverb here. Uh, it's got a, <clears throat> it's got the bright cap clipped on this channel, and I've got a Celestian Vintage 30, and then one other modification that I've done, uh, which I got from JD Simo, and I think he got from Steve Ray Vaughn was pulling the tube for V1. So that's the tube for this channel. So this channel doesn't work because I've pulled that tube. And then in V2, which is the tube for, you know, the first gain stage for this side, uh, I have a 5751. And uh, that just kind of gives it a little sweeter tone. And uh, I've enjoyed that. Uh, it's, it's hotter but sweeter. So <laughs> hot but sweet. All right, let's uh, let's play this neck pickup. got to hear the 57 and the 67 all through all three positions playing a, a variety of things and uh, I think it's interesting just yeah, yeah there are differences but just how much they 
kind of, you know, are kind of in the same ballpark to a degree. I think this one, uh, the 67 seems to have a little bit more of a controlled sound. It's assertive, but it seems to be more brought in. Um, the 57, to me, seems a little more brash sounding, and it's a little bigger sounding. It seems to have kind of higher highs and lower lows, which that can be good or bad depending on the situation you're in. But they're both really uh, great guitars. So a little pause for the cause, and then I'm going to do the lesson part. Uh, so please, if you, especially if you've gotten this far into the video, please hit the like button because that helps the algorithm, and that's very helpful. Uh, also, you know, if you haven't subscribed yet, then please go down in the corner. And also, if you've already subscribed, then I really ask that you would support the channel. So there's tip jar information in the description, or you can go to askzach.com, and there uh, you can find, you know, merch like this coffee cup or t-shirts, or also there's Friends of Ask Zach, which is a way to help, uh, which is a way to support me on a, uh, a monthly basis. So thanks a lot. Okay, here's a lesson. So the first thing I played, the neck pickup thing, was in the key of B flat, and I'm just playing basically in inversions and, and a double stop. So you have so again, you go to the the sixth, you know, the sixth minor, and then you have the the sixth. played over the uh, the uh, both pickups which I stole from uh, Duke Levine and uh, so because I stole it from him I'm not going to show that because he shows how to play that on his uh, Patreon channel so uh, if you want to learn that uh, Joe Mafis tune you need to uh, go uh, follow uh, Duke Levine who's of course a, a hero and a, and, a, and a favorite of mine if you're out there Duke hey uh, then the back pickup thing is something that I originally played a variation of that riff uh, on the Brent Mason video, and that's you know in the key of E I'm sliding up to the uh, you know G sharp note, you know, which is the third, and then hitting this uh, uh, octave E here on the on the D string. So I'm gonna, I'm just going to play it slow. <laughs> take it down a string to play it for A. And then it just kind of repeats that and then and then for the for the B or the 5 Then you have this kind of pull off lick to get you back to the 1 to get you back to the E. Thank you. 
have that low E, uh, you know, sounding out, I move up to a 6-9 chord up here, and then I, I hammer on onto this F sharp with my pinky, and then I hit the flat 5 with my right hand. So... That just gets kind of a fun, a fun sound. I think I stole that from Larry Carlton. I think I, I heard him do that on uh, on the Last Night album, where he uh, he played and then he uh, he hammered on with his right hand, hitting you know that flat five to give it you know that sophisticated jazz sound. So anyway, well, I hope you've enjoyed today's episode, and I will uh, you know see you down the road. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to the Ask Zach podcast. If you want to dive deeper, check out my website, askzach.com, to find more articles and further info on each episode. And remember, it is the support from you, the listener, that keeps the show going. Thank you, friends.